Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Unabridged MD, where we are redefining health. Um, and I'm your friendly rheumatologist, Dr. Isabella Nig. Before we start, and we have an amazing guest today. She was here a long time ago when we started the podcast, Dr. Kara Wada, who is an immunologist, and uh, we are in for a treat. But before we start, I just wanted to remind everyone that um, we like we are currently accepting new patients uh, in the Denver area or Colorado in telehealth, and um, we are actually increasing our prices very soon. So if you want to be on the founder's price, I would highly recommend you make an appointment now because we um, will you know, make sure that we keep that price for you over the years. Uh, and uh, if you know of anyone that could be interested, I highly recommend that you do this, but otherwise we'll be there anyway. Um, and um, Dr. Kara Wada, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, so I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but like the most important thing to me is that you tell us why you chose the path that you've chosen. And particularly you are an academic uh, physician, but you also have a coaching program and I absolutely, I'm a fan of the work you do. And I would love for you to just explain a little bit why you have chosen this path academic and then sort of coaching. Yeah. So I am, as you mentioned, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I, I'm always delighted when we get to chat. Um, my, my journey, you know, started off as a typical, you know, medical student and, and resident and fellow, you know, kind of just always looking for that next gold star. I found my way to allergy immunology. Um, through a series of like little breadcrumbs. I took an immunology course as an undergraduate and spent some time working in a um, immunology lab over one summer, really enjoyed the science, but also realized at that point that I needed to be working with other human beings. I really wanted to have that human to human interaction. So I ended up pursuing medical school and it really was towards the end of my internal medicine and pediatrics residency that I rediscovered allergy immunology as a career, which is a little bit late in the game. Um, but within a day or two of spending time within the pediatric allergy clinic, I felt this heaviness, this weight just completely lift off my shoulders that I had not really experienced ever before. It just felt right. Um, and, and now I recognize, you know, the that I was listening to my body for maybe some of the first times in my life um, and um, and decided at that point that I needed to pursue this as my career. So when I finished up training, I had my heart set on continuing to teach. I loved medical education. I had done a little bit of extra training in that. And I thought I was going to be researching drug allergy penicillin allergy and, and getting people like getting penicillin allergy off of people's charts is like a big push within the allergy field. And I thought that was really exciting, really meaningful work. And then I got sick. So I came back from maternity leave from my, um, my second child. I was incredibly exhausted. It was my second year as an attending. I was, um, pretty burnt out. There were some, some things going on in the office that I wasn't so excited about. And 
I went for my dental checkup and my dental hygienist said, goodness, Kara, your mouth looks really dry. What's going on? And it was that little comment that just kind of was like, oh, light bulb on. I've had dry eyes. I've had a lot of back stiffness that gets better when I'm pregnant. That's odd. Usually people have more back pain when they're pregnant, not less. And I had had some other weird things pop up on labs over the last few years. And I thought, oh, goodness, I I am, I am I bet I have an autoimmune condition. And with my training background was um, concerned about Sjogren's. Turns out my labs did confirm my suspicions. and um, And I ended up kind of in that year after my diagnosis really recalibrating and um, learning to navigate my career and parenting and health um, and all all the things that kind of like threw everything up in the air and then needed the dust to settle. And so at the, you know, through that process, part of was discovering and rediscovering what my guiding values are. You know, I think so often in medicine, we end up on this treadmill of success and you just keep going for that next thing. And, um, I needed to hop off of that (laughs) and take stock of where I was going and kind of recalibrate. So for me, what I realized was the values that I really, you know, light my soul on fire are building community and meaningful connection between human beings. And then, um, tapping into curiosity, like learning, um, and, and promoting, learning amongst others, educating, um, that kind of teacher role. And so slowly, but surely over the last, you know, three or four years, I really tried to make decisions in closer alignment with those values. And at one point I thought that perhaps that meant I was going to have to actually leave academics. Um, and so I started my side business. Um, and it turns out that I just needed the ability to be creative and have, you know, a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit because it, and find for what for me has been a little bit more balanced, at least at this point, which is spending about two and a half days in clinics, seeing patients, teaching our fellows, helping um, as associate program director of our fellowship program and um, doing some patient safety type work as well. But also then being able to do this other work outside, outside of the office. And, um, and yeah, so right now it's, it's working. Mm-hmm. I expected. Yeah. Oh, you are powerhouse. And if uh, everyone has to absolutely follow you on social media, uh, it's the crunchy allergist and Kara um, also, Dr. Wada, sorry, also has a really wonderful podcast, which is, I love the name crunchy allergy, like it's crunchy allergist. It just is perfect because most of the people are allergic to some sort of peanuts or something. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. I, I love it. I just, it's the best title ever. Before I ask you more about this business that you're talking about, because yes, to you, it's a business. I feel like from our side and from the patient side, it's just this incredible program that you're creating, those summits that you're creating that are bringing so much uh, to the community. So before we go on, I just want you to, because you've sort of become an expert yourself on Sjogren, just for the people who do not know, usually Sjogren is managed by rheumatologists. 
an immunologist is more like an immune uh, issue, like, you know, uh, like maybe more infection or maybe more allergies, yeah. but usually yeah. we don't see uh, immunologists taking care of children, but it does make sense that you know how to deal with children. I, I feel like I'm going to ask you to explain what children is uh, in, yeah. let's say, two minutes. Yeah. So Sjogren's is an autoimmune condition. I think for many years, it's been kind of chalked up as like a quote unquote nuisance disease, but I will say the lived experience of those with it would say that it's far from a nuisance. um, It really impairs quality of life. We see that in the research as well. Um, Some of the symptoms that I was taught about Sjogren's to ask patients about or to look for really center around tissue dryness. So eyes, mouth, but I see nose, you know, people think, you know, recurrent sinus infections, mm-hmm. difficulty swallowing, which may or may not be related to the dryness or some other issues that underlie Sjogren's and vaginal dryness too, which we don't talk mm-hmm. about as much, especially kind of before menopause. And, um, but I think, you know, the lived experience of myself and, and my fellow patients, dryness is kind of the not what we're bringing up and not why we're showing up to the office. We're showing up because we're really exhausted, like more Mm -hmm. tired than, than you think imaginable and dealing with a significant amount of body pain. And the other um, aspect that goes along with some frequency, um, in addition to some digestive issues are issues with the autonomic nervous system. So Sjogren's is a common cause of POTS um, or other issues where your blood pressure and heart rate might be doing funny things, might be passing out. Personally, I've dealt with more orthostasis. So like if I go from sitting to standing or laying down to standing, um, I tend to need to sit down. Um, There is a pretty big gap in treatment for Sjogren's. So kind of the first line treatment is something called hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil, generally pretty well tolerated, pretty mild, you know, when it comes to the rheumatologic medications, which I'm thankful for. But there's a big gap between that medication and then kind of the next step, which um, there, um, which is something called rituximab or similar medications. And those essentially wipe out one arm of your immune system. As you mentioned, as an immunologist, I tend to see folks with low immune system, whether they're born with a low immune system or they develop it, or maybe they have it from a medication side effect, like from rituximab. So I tend to see the, the bad side of that more often than the average person. And so with this big gap in treatment, I was personally very intrigued by the idea of how could I use lifestyle to modify my risk and try to lessen my risk? Because we know conditions like Sjogren's, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis increase the risk of heart disease. Sjogren's in particular increases the risk of certain types of lymphoma or cancer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those, those were scary things. <laughs> so I wanted to do what I could to improve my quality of life, maintain my health and be an active physician and mom for, you know, decades to come. Yeah. Thank you. So well, so what explained, I, I think we should always give our microphone to our patients. They just, they live with it. So they explain their symptoms so much better. Uh, than doctors, than us doctors. And so then when you have a patient and a doctor together, it's just a, a perfect thing. Um, so I love 
what you're starting to discuss, which is all of those lifestyle changes. And I know you and I have had this conversation, which is, so number one, I, I just want to share with uh, the people that may not have a diagnosis of Sjogren just yet, is that I make a diagnosis of Sjogren very often in patients who have been labeled as fibromyalgia because there is this pain, basically, um, Sjogren can cause, it's pretty common, it can cause small fibers neuropathy. Small fibers neuropathy is basically a, a neuropathy, so an, a, a, an issue of the nerves, but you don't see it if you just do an electromyogram. So if you just do the usual standard test and you have to look at the skin directly and to do a biopsy of the skin to see that there is less nerve ending and that is what causes those symptoms of fibromyalgia because the fibromyalgia symptoms are literally the same than the small fibers neuropathy. So I, I want to urge anyone that has a diagnosis of fibromyalgia that are extremely fatigued, but also have maybe some dryness and dry mouth and, you know, just, just feel like something's going off to just consider that diagnosis of Sjogren because it's clearly under-recognized. And one of the reasons it's under-recognized is that it's not really well taught in medical school it's not very well taught in residency at all, I would say. Uh, and I think there's a lot, there's a huge gap because also we don't have as many treatments. So people don't actually realize that there's much more treatment uh, available. Or And when I'm saying treatment, maybe at least things that we can do to help. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's the first plugin. The second is, yeah, let's talk, like, let's, let's talk about this, those things that we can do as patients. Um, and I just want to plug in this discussion you and I have had, uh, Dr. Car- uh, Wada. When a patient comes to us, has had this diagnosis of fibromyalgia, possibly, or even like Sjogren, and they've been passed around from patients to uh, from physicians to patient physicians because basically the physicians don't have the time to to sit uh, or don't really have much to offer them because they don't know anything past the hydroxychloroquine, you know, rituxan. And there's a huge gap, as you mentioned. We're not going to give rituxan to someone who just has fatigue. Um, There is a tendency to patients to retrieve and think, no one has my back. And then you talk to them about lifestyle changes. And I've seen so many and so often, and I know you have too, because we talked about this, people who are like, oh, you're talking to me about lifestyle changes. You do not listen to me. You're not hearing me. so I want to say, out of you guys like who are listening, yes, there are things that you can do and they are rooted in science. So let's talk about them, Dr. Yeah. Wada. What can we do and what's rooted in science? Yeah, so we think about going back to the pillar. So lifestyle medicine is this relatively newer area of medicine that essentially looks at how our habits can be healing as opposed to harmful. And it really digs into the science behind that. So the pillars, nutrition, so eating a diet that is rich in a variety of different plants in particular, and trying to steer ourselves away from some of the ultra-processed, high-saturated fat, fried stuff, stuff that, you know, is a a yummy indulgence. (laughs) Um, Movement, so moving our bodies in ways that feel good to us, and this is going to be different for each and every one of us, especially if we are dealing with mobility or, you know, arthritis issues, but getting those joints moving, the body moving is, um, is 
interestingly, it's a little bit pro-inflammatory, but in a good way, kind of stimulates mm-hmm. the immune system in a, in a healthy way. Sleep. This has been one of the critical aspects for me of kind of maintaining my um, pain levels and, and really ensuring that I'm getting quantity and quality when it comes to sleep. Human relationships. So meaningful human relationships with other human beings, whether it's my kiddos, my 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 spouse, um, my sister, you know, my coworkers, my colleagues, um, having those meaningful relationships is incredibly important. We are as humans, we are a social species. Um, And maintaining our stress. So, you know, and learning how to deal with stress. Life is stressful. Life with a chronic illness is stressful. Life as a parent, life as a doctor, you know, name whatever label you label yourself, life is stressful. And so learning how to navigate that and um, being able to use that stress in productive ways like there are there are ways to to do that and to learn to manage your mind around that and then last but not least decreasing our exposure to toxic substances so things like alcohol cigarette smoke um, air pollution um, and increasingly we're seeing the role of other substances that we're exposed to in our everyday life implicated in the development of things like allergies, autoimmunity. Um, And so that's an area, especially with my background in clinical medicine that I'm like extra excited and intrigued by. Wow. That's very powerful. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I was just like kind of like putting them together, like sleep, diet. And I like nutrition better, sleep, nutrition, environment. and uh, and stress, so mindful, uh, mindful meditation. I'm assuming that's what you're thinking. Surrounding yourself with mm-hmm. love. I love that. It's funny. Until recently, I I could never understand those signs of love, and suddenly you experience <laughs> it, and you're like, yes, that oh. is the most important thing. Like that absolutely is the most important thing. It took me a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's so important. It's so so important um, relationships. Um, tell us. So, if 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 you're new to Dr. Karawada, uh, you have to realize that she is a powerhouse. I mean, she is literally redefining. I mean, that's true. I really believe this. You're redefining how we see medicine uh, because of your experience as a patient, because of your experience as an academic physician. Uh, and I have to say, I absolutely adore how you share yourself on social media because we are seeing the whole of you. We're seeing the patient, mm-hmm. we're seeing the mom, we're seeing the academic uh, uh, physician, and we are seeing this education uh, um, master. Uh, and and mm-hmm. you're just such a patient advocate in, like from both ways. And so highly, highly recommend everyone to go and, and follow uh, cr- the Crunchy Allergist. Um, and you have created a summit for Sugran, and that has been, what, it's two or three years? Yeah, two and years. Now, yeah. Two years, yeah. And now you've created another type of summit. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about this summit? Why and what are people going to get from it? And yeah. um, highly, highly recommended to to come to the summit and we'll put the notes and all this uh, in our, in our, in the notes. 
But um, yeah, tell us about it. Yeah. So I love, you know, the pandemic was a really, really tough time for, for, for so many, all of us in certain ways. But there are some little, you know, gems that kind of came out of that. And one, I think, is finding ways to connect virtually. I really enjoy the fact that we can, you know, hop on our computers and have conversations like these. And so that's kind of the the role of a virtual summit is that we can bring together leaders within an area that all feel very passionate about um, a particular topic, in this case, inflammation, or our body's response to infection, to injury, or to insult. And, um, and, you know, inflammation has really been the one of the key words that I've, you know, heard coming up time and time again from my patients, from my clients, across social media. And I think some folks are getting parts of it, you know, really hitting it nail on the head and other parts could use a little bit of, you know, little shining up, little brushing up. Inflammation at its core isn't harmful, but the problem that we are seeing is that all of our diseases that I, at least that come to mind of modern living, allergies, autoimmunity, asthma, cancers, um, heart disease, diabetes, they're all a function of excess or too much inflammation. And one of my big pet peeves and frustrations with the medical system is that we are all talking about these conditions that are caused by too much inflammation, but we're in our own little silos. So the cardiologists are talking about it related to, you know, to clogged arteries and, and heart failure. The rheumatologists all are talking more about autoimmunity and allergy. We're talking about it with allergies and asthma and eosinophils and mast cells and, you know, these other funky things. The cancer doctors are talking about it with cancer. Um, the GI docs are talking about inflammatory bowel and IBS. And um, there isn't a place for us all to come together and kind of talk amongst ourselves and interact with the patients it's affecting. Because the reality is these conditions, like if there's too much inflammation in one area, a lot of times these folks have more than one condition. Like autoimmune diseases tend to go in packs. In someone who has allergies, you know, you may have more likely, um, more likely to see allergies in some of these folks too, in particular Sjogren's. And so it's a way for us to break down barriers, both between specialties, but also, you know, reestablish some communication between healthcare professionals, other professionals within the space, and then the patients and clients we're serving. Yeah, it is so so needed. I think it's fun. It's so yeah, <laughs> and and uh, what I'm and and I'm so glad that you invited me to be on one of the speakers. And I just it's so needed. I think that that's exactly why I opened my practice. Is just I started seeing how it affected me as a physician to only be able to talk about one piece. And I just oh. feel like yes, we are specialized, and yes, we are. You know, we we. Like, yes, I know more about, you know, a certain cytokine, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm a physician and my patients are a whole, and I feel like we need to get back to this idea that we are whole and we need to take care of the whole person and, and we are, you know, physicians and it's not just our specialty and, you know, just this little thing um, 
that we can talk about. We can talk about so much more. Okay, so tell us where uh, people can, and, and I'm going to put a link uh, yeah. where you can register for the summit, but when does it happen? It is happening September 18th through the 20th. We also have a little bonus day on the 21st um, where we're going to help people build confidence in the kitchen. I love the kitchen. It's like the heart of the home. So it'll be exciting to go grocery shopping, meal planning and stuff along those lines. Um, they can find information. Probably the easiest place is to hop over to my website, Dr. Kara, K-A-R-A, WADA, W-A-D-A.com. Up at the top, there's a little banner. You just click on that and I'll get you right to the summit um, landing page. So, yep, it's the Demystifying Inflammation Summit. And three days, free event where we are going to dig into allergies, asthma, autoimmunity, heart disease prevention, kind of all of these things. Um, the first day is a real focus on the science. The second day, we're going to talk about our habits. And then the third day, we're going to focus in on the mindset that's needed to make some of these lifestyle changes, knowing that we're all really smart. We know what we need to do, but getting it done is where it, it, it gets sticky. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Karawada. And uh, we will see each other very soon at yes. the summit and everyone up on and uh, try to attend. It's just going to be wonderful. So yeah, I look forward to it. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day.